Eclectic Spacewalk presents Conversations, a podcast about the uniqueness of the human condition and how, through conversation, we can continue to upgrade humanity's value systems. Everyone has a subjective, awe-inspiring viewpoint of our reality, and the goal of this podcast is to have conversations with unique humans. Eclectic Spacewalk means a broad and diverse range of Earth-based philosophies viewed from outer space. Send us any recommendations on who we should talk to next. But remember, we are not just a podcast. You can subscribe to our Substack newsletter and get first access to every podcast episode at eclecticspacewalk.substack.com. Connect with us on social media by following us on Twitter at eSpacewalk and the hashtag EclecticSpacewalk. Find us on Minds.com at EclecticSpacewalk. And as always, you can find everything on the website, EclecticSpacewalk.com. We want to talk with anyone over our shared humanity and best practices of life. Now, let's have a conversation. Hello from outside Boone, North Carolina. This is Eclectic Spacewalk Conversations. I'm your host, Nicholas McKay. Today we're joined by Jason Snyder. Jason is a self-labeled meta-modern localist who teaches at Appalachian State University. He is a budding homesteader and also interested in permaculture and bioregional regeneration. Welcome to Conversations, Jason. Great to be here. See you in, in the flesh, not in a spacesuit. Right, right, um, right. First time in real life and that's not right. you know, on the that's right. Twitters. We'll get into Twitter, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you know, we are in a, a budding homestead, so you might hear some sounds from outside, up mm-hmm. top, everything. So just be forewarned, audience. <laughs> but uh, first, Jason, let's, let's uh, start off. Where did you grow up? Uh, born in Colorado, raised in Taos, New Mexico. Uh, lived in Oregon for a few years, mm-hmm. uh, back and forth. Went to school in Albuquerque, so mainly New Mexico is where yeah. I call my home. And yeah. then, so from from those kind of different places, Colorado, New Mexico, and Oregon, those are pretty different yeah. places. Like, yeah, how yeah. was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Taos Taos was always kind of like ground zero in my memory because um, we moved there about a year. Well, I was about a year and a half, and everywhere else seemed strange. It was like this bubble. You know, it's kind of like actually near where I live now in Boone. It's kind of like this mountain town, mm-hmm. kind of like this has its own vibe. And whenever I traveled outside, I, I always felt distant. Oh, you know, okay. It, like it always not felt yourself. strange. Yeah. yeah, it was just strange. You know, Taos was ground zero and it still kind of feels that way. But, you know, hopefully this will be my new ground zero. <laughs> well, so this is new ground zero. This is yeah. different weather than New Mexico, I'm assuming, too. Yeah. Like big swings in that. Yeah, a lot more, a lot more moisture here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I was only used to green in the riparian area. And I, I love it. I mean, I, I like I like all of this green and all of this growth. It's right. It's nice. You know, I miss I miss some some of the sunsets and some of the smells of New Mexico and sure. the, the culture and the food. But uh, you can always go back. I'm assuming I can always go back. Yeah, I can always go back. So yeah. so going back to Taos and Ground Zero. Um, mm-hmm. wh- like, what what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, what what was kind of early Jason? Like, what was kind of he he into? You know. Oh gosh! Uh, how how early? I, oh. I don't think I had. I don't. I, I don't think I thought about it before like high school. That's fair. Um, you know, in high school, I was you know into like alternative kind of psychedelic literature and and you know 
kind of expanding my mind in general. And so I, I, I think I wanted to become like a guru or save the ah, world or something. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> at yeah. that time or, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought, okay, well, like I need to figure out how to like save the world. It was very grandiose. Um, I'm life, just now getting off that path, Jason, okay. just now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, life definitely humbled me, you know, sure. later on. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, I was, I was, I had big plans. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. So, so those big plans did... Who, I guess, who, or what, what were the things, I guess, early on then stroked your curiosity? That's what, kind of what I was going, it, was it books? Mm-hmm. Was it movies? Was it a cool uncle? I always go kind of that example. Yeah. Um, so my, my mom moved to Oregon when I was 13. I went with her. I was completely depressed the first year in Oregon. It was just like, I was just like, what is this place? Mm-hmm. It was always raining. It was, oh, right, I, I wasn't right. used to that. Um, so I went through this year of like really deep depression. And then the next year I started like, I started listening to like, the Doors and other classic rock, and I started just reading kind of like, well, actually, it was, The Doors was kind of like doors. my pathway. <laughs> started reading about like, you know, like shamanism and, mm-hmm. um, and just, it, you know, my mind just kind of started expanding from there, you sure. know, moving in all, all kinds of different, I was, really, I was really influenced by like 60s, 70s culture sure. for, for a long time. Um, and so you, you asked, like, what is my influence? Oh, well, just curiosity. curiosity. Curiosity is really the, the biggest yeah. thing that I'm, I'm interested in. Like, yeah. what made you curious, like, early on? What were the things that got you, like, zesty about things, you know? I was really interested in this idea of becoming the Lizard King. <laughs> because of Jim Morrison. <laughs> just, just that was, dur- like, the earliest yeah, yeah, yeah. of, like, being, I don't know. And then, you know, again, you know, starting to experiment with, like, psychedelics sure. and um, uh, alternative states of consciousness, getting into like mm-hmm. meditation. And I, you know, finally ended up going to an alternative high school where the, the head of the school, his two favorite authors were Bucky Fuller, uh, who nice. I know you're into, and Ken, and Ken Wilber. Like those oh, were his yeah, two sure. biggest influences. And so you can wow. imagine what that, high, what that high school was like. And, and those so are two was, kind of disparate, but they're, they're similar paths for sure yeah, in a different way. Very, but, yeah, a different way, but, you, you know, kind of similar vibe of like, you know, deep history, big think, Yep. Uh, you know, trajectory of, of humankind, sure. you know, so later in high school, that became, that, that kind of stuff became very influential. Yeah. yeah. Buckminster Fuller is one of our biggest influences. Yeah. That yeah stuff. I, it's I, crazy. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So then let's, let's uh, take us through kind of your academic background. So you, mm-hmm. you go through to uh, Colorado, New Mexico, Oregon, and then you went to the University of New Mexico, I believe. And, or, yeah. Okay. And then so yeah. take us like from there on to, to here now. Yeah. So I got to college and I had been inundated with, with these ideas from this high school. Um, you know, and I, I spent like two or three years just kind of bouncing around, mm-hmm. like taking different courses. I think, you know, in retrospect, I was like a generalist and I was trying to find some kind of specialty and and I ended up with a degree in economics just mm-hmm. because I thought, okay, well, they, they deal with like a lot of different like broad scale issues. It seemed like a kind of a generalist type of path. Um, but then I kind of became a little bit disenchanted, I think, with economics. And so I got into geography, got my master's in geography. And then, you know, I bounced around again, worked, worked for a, you know, defense contractor for a while. Hey. <laughs> wow. Did not uh, know that. Okay, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Then we went back to Oregon. My wife went to get her master's, and 
Uh, and then Michigan, that's where I got my PhD. Yep. And then we came here. So t yeah. talk us about uh, your PhD and, and how mm -hmm. that was kind of different than, again, alternative high school, college economics, yeah. you go to do geography, and then now yeah. it's like, this is a pinnacle kind of thing of research. Like, what, what, what was it? And then kind yeah. of bring us through that. So I kind of had this love-hate relationship with the field of economics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I remember talking with a good friend who was doing economics before, and we were talking about, like, all of the problems with, like, the paradigm with the assumptions that go into it, and I was just like, well, screw it, like, I'm just gonna, you know, bite it, bite the bullet, because it, it still seemed like, okay, I want to learn some skills, I want to learn how to, like, you know, mess with data, oh, want, sure. you know, uh -huh. learn, learn some mathematics, things mm -hmm. like that, so I, I went in that direction, you know, looking to, for, like, there was, like, a good international kind of development type program there, and um, food systems is kind of the direction I went into, so I, so I ended up spending... Um, doing my research um, in Tanzania, mm. um, looking at like food systems, like post farm mm -hmm. food systems, um, and you know that was all fine. It, you know, it took me seven years to, to do that. I was about to say uh, like PhDs are you know it's, yeah, it's very it was, variable it, on how long this yeah, takes. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, and I think but then you know especially near the end and in into my postdoc, I started getting active on Twitter uh, yep. and you know kind of I think reigniting a lot of the ideas that I had when I was younger, you oh, know, sure. a lot of the same threads, you know, um, like integral, metamodern type stuff. And, you know, I think I just slowly became disenchanted again. again with a second disenchantment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just, just, just kind of the paradigm that they operate from and, and the kind of, you know, I'd been basically trained as a technocrat and, mm, yes. you know, it's kind of like a progressive neoliberal technocrat is basically, yep. I think, I think it with good intentions, but uh, yeah, in the last few years, I just basically decided, yeah, I don't think I'm going to really pursue this track unless I need to, to make, to, you know, to make money. But we ended up here. My wife, you know, got her PhD at the same time. Yep. She got, she got a, a position here. And I, it was an opportunity for me to both be, you know, next, adjacent to an apartment that I feel like more aligns with my values. Mm, yes. So it's focused on like sustainability and it's much more critical of kind of mainstream development. And, right. and so that, that kind of fit in, so that clicked in. Um, and uh, yeah, and then, you know, getting more interested in kind of more, taking more seriously kind of our climate ecological situation. And what does that mean for like rethinking everything? Everything, right. it's not just yeah. some, It's not just some, I think before it was more compartmentalized for a while and so it was like mm -hmm. oh that's that thing over there and you know I, people like joe brewer was really influential and just like okay actually what, what would it mean to like center some of these things and, sure. and pair that with deep history and and you know the evolution of consciousness and so i was like okay well i'm in a position now where i can just kind of like um teach you mm -hmm. know and kind of have very kind of interesting broad-ranging conversations with students you know, landed here in a position where I can, like, start to learn how to grow food, um, practice agroecology yep. or permaculture. Yep. Um, yeah, so it just kind of, this is kind of what clicked into place. That's great. It, se yeah. it seems like there was a, uh, a long time coming, and then all of a sudden now you feel like you're kind of at home or, or, yeah, or, or, or feeling there. good. Yeah, Get, yeah, Getting there. I, okay. I see the trajectory, right? Because, <laughs> okay. you know, we're still new here. Um, you know, COVID has been difficult in terms of meeting people sure. developing kind of the, the localist type of community that I, that I talk about a lot mm -hmm. on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But um, this seems like uh, a good place to like, okay, now we're going to settle down and we're going to like build 
from the ground up. Yeah. I, this seemed like, okay, now we're both in a life situation where we can kind of do that. Amazing. Yeah. So before we get, like, continue on that vein, let's just keep on uh, your, your doctorate just for a quick thing. It's like, mm-hmm. too long, didn't read. What, what was the kind of the dissertation <laughs> with, with Tanzania? And then yeah. also what maybe, mm-hmm. I guess, not to keep in the past, but like, mm-hmm. how has that changed maybe? Because I'm assuming mm-hmm. things have changed since your PhD. Like, yeah. or, or I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar exactly with, with the food systems and stuff like that. So yeah. like, just so, broad, broad stuff. So it was um, my, you know, my advisor and, and my committee, like they're really interested in like structural change in, in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, so, so a lot of my dissertation was like things like structural elements of the food system. You know, so right. I looked at like, like the infrastructure of it or kind of, you know, supply chains I see. looking at kind of like, you know, what is the structure of supply chain? Who sells to who and um, or or like access to technology um, and sure. how to like small, small scale businesses get access to like technology um, or like how do you know, how do small players? I mean, I, I was really focused on like kind of small, mm. small firms. Yeah. Uh, how do they kind of compete in the market in a kind of a market that's quickly consolidating and supermarkets are kind of taking over? Um, sure. And, you know, part of my tension with the whole thing is that kind of the, I think the ideology, um, it wasn't so explicit, but I think it was implicit. The ideology was like this kind of structural transformation is a good thing. It's part of development. And so like, you know, foreign direct investments, kind of supermarket takeover, like that's this is kind of like this inevitable thing. And so how can we kind of like, you know, clean up kind of like the messy aspects of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think at a certain point, you know, something in my mind just flipped where it's just like, actually, I, I, you know, taking a broader range of things into account, I, I just, you know, this is not something that I really believe in or mm. <laughs> want to be promoting sure. with my research. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's in a nutshell. You know, I, I, I continued with a postdoc with, with some other folks in that department, you know, focused on stuff in Zambia. But it was kind of, you know, it was at the farmer level, but it was, it was also kind of a similar thing of like, you know, how, you know, like, like it, it was, it was part of a larger ideology of st- structural information of like, w- we think, and we kind of applaud that farmers are going to be, you know, leaving the land. They're going to be seeking non-farm opportunities or going to the cities. Oh, of course. Um, okay. And, yes. and this was just kind of like this inevitable thing that I think was part of that worldview. And, and it was, so it was just kind of like, well, how do we, you know, kind of, how do we promote that or, right. or how do we mitigate the downsides of it? Um, and, you know, at a certain point, I just started thinking, well, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff that's going on in an apartment, like they're promoting, for example, farmers adopting fertilizers and mm. like chemical fertilizers. And I'm just like, you know, for example, and it's just like, well, you know, are petro fertilizers really, really the way forward? Is this something that we should be like promoting all around the world? Right. Um, right, it right, provides right. you a short hit of productivity. But, um, you know, I think in the longer term, it, we're setting setting people up for failure, sure. frankly. Um so yeah, so I just just a lot of started questioning that that, that paradigm. So yeah. it's continuing questioning that paradigm after your PhD and stuff. Now that you mm-hmm. have this little bit more of a nuanced view of economics specifically, yeah. let's look at economics and in just general. Like, what mm-hmm. is is it more? What do you? Th- I mean, again, like this is very anecdotal in in mm-hmm. your in your view, but like what what needs to be done about economics? I mean, is it more participation? Is it more? Mm-hmm. Uh, knowledge is it more diversity or like what what exactly is the field in need of or yeah I, 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 I'm coming up from the outside I can see some right. of the issues and I can but but then from your I, I want to kind of get it from your perspective um, I think you know uh, one they just kind of need to scrap the neoclassical framework um, you know a lot of 
you know, most economists are aware that a lot of these assumptions that go into their models are flawed, right? right. But they're like, well, let's just use this as a baseline and then we'll add some complexity to it. Uh, but it's still very much dependent on like these, these mathematical models mm -hmm. um, that are tractable and in order to make a tractable, you know, in order to do calculus basically on an equation that you're trying to represent reality, um, you need to simplify a lot because mm. or else it's just not tractable sure. mathematically. Um, uh, or it's very difficult. You have to um, you find all kinds of ways to get around it. And then, and then empirically as well, like the, one of the major tools is like regression analysis. And, and I was just about to say, like after yeah. the things, like what happens yeah. to accountability? Yeah. yeah. So you, you come up, you, so you come up with these frameworks using, I think, flawed, you know, methodological things. But then empirically, I also just stopped, you know, stopped really believing in kind of this kind of linear analysis of like these five things or this three things cause this other thing and I see. you know and you know so then i would say what 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 they what what needs to change i think they need to adopt more systems view in general mm -hmm. right so they need to um and, and a less technocratic view so i think you know if you're a technocrat and you're you're trying to your question is how do you help a place develop mm. um and you're just trying to gather data to do that and then you're running equations and then you come up with policy recommendations. I just, I just don't think, I just don't think that's a good approach. Right. Um, I, I think that a lot of things about societies evolving are kind of endogenous. They, um, they're participatory. Uh, there's a lot of things about a culture and, and a system that you can't really, under, that are not legible, mm -hmm. you know, so that's like the James C. Scott kind of um, point. Um, is this also like, uh, what is her name? Uh, Nora Bateson and like warm data. Yeah. Kind that's of that that's part of it. That's okay. part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, Danella Meadows, uh, Oh, it's systems know, thinking. Yeah, Here we go. Right. Yeah. So, so she, you know, like for example, she has like, you know, dancing with systems or leverage points. And one of the big points she makes yep. is that you can't really, if you're an outsider and you want to help people, um, you know, you, you have to be really, you have to be, have a lot of humility, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to spend a lot of time actually interacting with the people and the culture to kind of understand it from the inside out. Right. Uh, and I think a lot of economics tries to understand things from the outside in from a kind mm -hmm. of a technocratic world, you know, technocratic methods and a paradigm is in my case of like this idea of structural transformation of basically let's make all of these other countries like the West. Yes. And, you know, when you start getting into like sustainability literature, it's just like, oh man, like, like this, this stuff, this system is not long for this world. Like yeah. something is like, things are going to start collapsing and we better, you know, we better start thinking about another way to, to, how, you know, think about how we live, sure. how we conceptualize life. And, and I, so it's just like, we can't, like we're, we're setting people up for the same failure that, you know, that we've created for ourselves. Right. How is, so... I think that's fundamentally it. I, I and I think you hit on a lot of great points in, in that because I myself, even when I was writing, you know, writing essays and things, it's more of like a talking to, you know, uh, mm. about things. And mm. the switch came after I read Buckminster Fuller's uh, Operating yep. Manual for Spaceship Earth, uh -huh. and then it was more of as an updated thing that I wrote an essay on. It wasn't going to be a book. You know what I mean? An updated operating manual for Spaceship Earth, even yeah. though that was great in the 60s, yeah. it's not going to be that here. The, what's going to be is like maybe a collection of thousands and thousands mm. of interconnected of global and local communities, you know, putting together everything. And then you can take a, a soul. But I think these neoclassical or, or any, any type of mm. economics, people from the inside out, 
or outside in, excuse me, is they see these frameworks and it's almost like plumbing. You know, it's like from here to here yeah. to here to here. And it's like, that's not how yeah. it is. It's more like mycelium or something. Yeah. It's like more infinite kind of right. opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of the complexity stuff, like complexity, complexity science, yes. was, was, it was kind of for me a nail in the coffin to, mm. towards the, the, the training that I had received. And it just so like, we can thank Joe Norman for all of this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Joe Norman was very influential for me in that sense. Sure. You know? For complexity as well, for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And, absolutely. But, but, but even, you know, just, just understanding that, you know, Things you know, systems are unpredictable, and you mm-hmm. can't you can't really optimize them again from the outside. You have to just work with them, right? And and they evolve, and right. and so it was just kind of a flip, in you know, a flip in. I mean, I, I again, I had already been kind of critical going into economics, but I was like, okay, sure. this seems like the best option for me at this point. Uh, and then, but at a certain point, it was just like, I just I, I'm not happy. You know, I, <laughs> I just wasn't I, I just wasn't really happy with my work with my life okay uh so something needs to change right well something did change and you got you know you're teaching here at appalachian Mm -hmm. state um Mm -hmm. so this is from your teacher profile so Mm -hmm. excuse me but uh so let's talk about teaching as a discipline you know Mm because now you're doing it uh you you had a a thing on twitter sustainable uh, economies and community development that you have a class that's just starting yeah but um let's i guess set the tone for what exactly these classes that you're doing here in appalachian Mm -hmm. state so Quote, cultivating ecologically regenerative and resilient food systems in Southern Appalachia, Mm -hmm. sense of place and how it informs the coevolution of culture and ecology, and how traditional place-based wisdom can be integrated with environmentally appropriate technologies and novel forms of social organization to foster human well-being and Mm -hmm. inclusion. So let's just talk about teaching as a discipline. I mean, now you're yeah. you're doing it. I mean, I know you're not a, a doing as much as a tenure track professor, yeah. your wife, but yeah. t- talk about that kind of trying these ideas and getting them into someone that's not like writing. It's actually you're 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 talking with them. Yeah. T- so let's just riff on that a little bit. Um, yeah, I get like <laughs> I do like it. I do like it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's you know I, I've always I think been very at home with having these kind of like broad generalist conversations about like the world, you know, or the, you know, society. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I get paid to like lead these discussions with students, you know, you know, having them read some interesting material and then, and then just having these kind of broad range conversations and trying to integrate different perspectives. Um, I mean, that's just, to me, that's like, that's pretty, that's kind of the dream, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These new minds are coming in and I can exactly. kind of mold or shape them and in a way a, that's positive. And yeah. it's interesting. And it's also, you know, um, kind of interfacing with what I do on Twitter. It's like, you know, so there's, you know, Twitter, I get a lot of ideas and I, I put out ideas and get feedback. And, but it's interesting working with students because it's just, it's, it's for one thing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an older generation now. I'm an older millennial, and these mm-hmm. these are all Zoomers, right? Right. And so <laughs> trying, you know, so just for me, kind of selfishly, like understanding this upcoming generation, like like where they're coming from, like how do they respond to material, and you know, and and being surprised oftentimes, like oh wow, like like you know, I can't I can't assume what people think, or I'm I'm, I'm surprised. It's like wow, this the student is really insightful in right, ways right. that like I I don't really find anywhere else, or or you know, or a student is just kind of, kind of like. Oh, like something I've taken for granted is like this is obvious. It's not obvious to them, and understanding uh-huh. why, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps me understanding why it's not obvious to them, you know, gives me some new insight as well, right? right? Like of like, okay, like, um, yeah. And so you know, it, one interesting thing I, I've noticed recently is that 
um, and, and I get from their reflection essays is that they've been inundated, like they're in taking a class in sustainable development, so they've been inundated with like, you know, this knowledge of like climate change and, and you know, all of these precarious, you know, uh, indicators that are, that, that are starting to reach us. Mm -hmm. And they've, they've, they've experienced that their whole lives. Like, like they've heard about that their whole lives. And so that's one kind of difference, I think, is that, you know, there, um, there's, I don't know if there's, there's more, I think there's more realism in mm. some ways. Like it's, it, oh, we were sheltered. Yeah. I didn't need to know about any of this, you know, yeah. coming up when I was growing up, there was a 15 yeah. year gap of just <laughs> bliss or whatever you want to call childhood, right. you know? Right. Or it was just, wasn't as urgent. Exactly. Then. That's, that's basically, so, yeah. It, it, scientists were doing stuff, but I wasn't yeah. aware they knew and that. And so, yeah. and so getting kind of from, you know, from students themselves, like, you know, just, just the fact that for them, this is, this is, I think, much, much closer to, mm. to many of them. I right. mean, not all of them, like some of them don't care or whatever, but you know, it, that, that's a really kind of interesting perspective that I don't think I would have gotten otherwise. Right. 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 Um, so teaching, well, speaking of, so I, I went on rate my professor. Uh huh. Oh yeah, boy. I found one. Uh, uh -huh. he is understanding and he requires one paper journals, a communication project and two tests. He did a great job during the uncertain semester with COVID-19 and responded to emails promptly. <laughs> I, I need to look at my No, that was the only one. So there was okay. you have a hundred percent. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, but but that was kind of more funny mm. and whatever. But uh, that's funny. So let's let's go on to a little bit more um, of and we'll say on academia for for one more kind of mm. question. But like so, Google Scholar says that papers you have been a part of have been cited, you know, mm. six hundred times or something like that. Yeah. What does that mean? And then you know, uh, <laughs> can we talk about academic publishing in general? Because then yeah. I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. This is part of all this that we're talking about in terms yeah. of like development. Well, where do they go? They go to mm -hmm. these papers and these publishings and stuff like that. So yeah. is the pipeline of scientific publishing or academic publishing flawed? What does that mean? You know, and how, mm. do you, what is your kind of any thoughts on that? You know, I don't, I don't really have strong thoughts on it, to be honest. I mean, so for me, I've just, I kind of lost interest in, in doing that kind of research. Right. Okay. So, like, what does that mean? I mean, you know, so I was basically co-author on a lot of papers of my, you know, major professor mm -hmm. um, and a couple of reports that, that I was lead author on. And, and one of them in particular got, got a lot of play um, or got, has, has gotten a lot of citations that I still see today. But um, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I think part of me going through, I'm still going through this, this kind of transition process is just kind of like, losing for myself faith in kind of like or being losing interest in in this kind of academic uh publishing mm -hmm. research so right. I, I don't i don't really i don't know if i have uh like a sophisticated critique of it per se but just for myself like i it's it's too remote mm -hmm. like you, you i mean just the whole process itself maybe this is a critique uh you know you submit something and then you might hear back like three or six months later i yep. mean the whole process takes years yep. Um, but even when I was doing, you know, putting, you know, being part of these papers, like I wasn't, I, I, I don't know how confident I was in what we were saying, just because the data, you know, like you can't really know how good the data is. Like you try your best, you know, the methods, like there was just so many points and I, at a certain point I thought like, okay, like what, you know, like there's, you know, you publish a paper, you know, one, uh, either there's, you know, a couple options, either you're kind of re reinforcing conventional wisdom. Mm, okay. Um, or if you're not, if you're, if you're kind of challenging conventional wisdom, 
there's a good chance that it's it's because your data is is is, is flawed or mm. your methods are flawed, mm. um, and and so but then okay but then the, the small chance that you're both challenging conventional wisdom, and it's like legit, um, then the you know then the chances of actually reaching reaching policymakers' ears and actually, you know, translating to something that. You know, actually has a net good in the Is world. Is it convincible? Right. Yeah. 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 So, so, so convincing a policymaker to adopt it. Okay, that's another small probability. But then, even a smaller probability is then you, it's in, you know, this piece of information is in the hands of a technocrat. You know, even if it's the right insight, the way that they, you know, apply the policy could have unintended consequences. Yeah. You know, you know, if it's like this top-down thing, um, you know. So it's just like the whole, like the whole way. I would just kind of like. I, I just I just don't like I, I like I don't I don't think I'm providing much good you right. know in the world doing this and so I, I just at a certain point I was like I just want to be more engaged right like if, if I'm so teaching is nice because you can actually like you that's know, that one to one or one, one to like, yeah small groups, but then besides that if you know uh, if, you know other things is just being more involved with like projects or you know being directly involved like here you know you know you know, hopefully getting directly involved with the food system and, and actually just being a part of it and not right. not studying it from like this kind of almost like false objectivity, mm-hmm. but like, you know, actually experiencing its, you know, its challenges and its change from the inside. Wow. And so just, just being kind of a part of some kind of development. It, it, I, I definitely yearned for that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's more like uh, action rather than yeah. words and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like you, yeah. you did enough words and then now you're kind exactly. of like, well, you want action. You exactly. Know? I yeah. just, you know, and, and so, you know, part of that is just this whole change of like wanting, you know, wanting to become more embodied. You yep. know, my meditation practice started shifting towards a much more kind of, you know, embodied, you know, just the importance of embodiment um, and the relationship between the mind and emotions and, can you, and can physicality we, and our, our, some of our listeners may not really mm-hmm. even know anything. Can you give us a real mm-hmm. quick like thing about embodiment or even uh, we had on Brent Cooper or sorry uh, Jeremy Johnson and talked about yeah. you know integral consciousness and stuff like that. Yeah. But like what what exactly in that does embodiment mean when you when you say that when you when you're like meditating yeah. and stuff? Well, you know, I I can tell you what it means for me. Sure. Yeah. Perfect. Um, you know, so I mean, for a long time, I I felt like. I had this problem, which I, I thought of as a problem, where my like my mind would just kind of like spin spin out of control, and um, and I had these kind of like emotional complexes that I would try to think my way out of, and oh, I just yeah, like okay. couldn't. Okay. Um, and at a certain point, when I started learning like just basic mindfulness meditation, that oh wow, like you know maybe, you know, you can't really think your way out of these kind of emotional issues, yeah. right? And so just just making the switch from like, you know, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Let me try and rationalize my way out of it. Let me try and just feel into my body. Let me, let me like actually like say body scan or... Right, like feel it out. Like what yeah, exactly like, are you doing? Right, you know, like, yeah. like where is the actual, the, the mental tension? I, I, I started learning to, to trace it to physical tension. Mm. And, and that was fascinating, right? To discover right. that really for the first time of like, oh wow, like the mind-body system is much more integrated than, than I thought. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. My big thing was the yeah. gu- uh, uh, gut biome and how that, like, you know, yeah. it, things yeah. that you eat, mm-hmm. you know, and, right. and everything like that. Right. Like, yeah, it's it's all it's all connected. <laughs> all connected. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, you know, and, and at that time, I was interested in like philosophical questions of like the mind body problem and stuff like that. Oh, and sure. and you know, it, it all just kind of that all just kind of like came together in terms of like you know the necessity of 
of not relying so much on you know deductive reasoning basically sure, sure. and and kind of feeling your way into being for lack like of a better no, right? sprays honestly yeah. because i've been there too um, like too too in your head thinking so much and it's like some of the times when you just calm down and then it's like oh, what exactly is that like yeah. that you almost are metaing it you know yeah. it's like you can get into these like uh what do they call it like uh What's it off the, uh, with waves? Like rip currents. You just stay uh, in a rip current. You, don't, you can't yeah. move and it's just hostile as hell. And then yeah. it's like, but you really just need to calm down and then kind of mm-hmm. get out of your body. Um, that's yeah. cool though, you know, like yeah. that you, you've kind of changed things a little bit. Yeah, and, and, and there was kind of a natural connection there. I, on Twitter, sometimes I talk about like this idea of situated cognition, right? And, okay. and, and that's, you know, in retrospect, I don't know if this is the exact linear, linearity, but in retrospect, there's, there's this interesting kind of convergence of like embodied cognition, of like understanding things more intuitively, you know, um, you know, through your body, but, but then situated cognition of like understanding your sense of place and oh, okay. and you know, and I've for myself, you know, I've always kind of, you know, been a placeless person. You know, I've right, you're moving around, like you're, moved you're, around a lot. Yep. But even going to Mexico, I was always an outsider, right? Like I, I didn't, oh, it's not okay. like I had so different many things. different yep, generations yeah, no. there, and so there's an interesting connection for me that, you know, it's still interesting to me of like this, this, this connection between, you know, embodiment, which is more kind of an internal sense field and situatedness, which is how does that internal sense field relate to, you know, your immediate environment. Mm. Um, and so that's just that for me, that's just been a really kind of fruitful intersection to explore. That's good. Cause then that connects you also, not just with other people, but then also the, your environment, your reality, like the, you, yeah. you, you, you have to have constraints. So like there are, there are constraints and you got to deal right. with them, you know? So. Yeah. And, and that, and that also fits into my critique of say the economics of the outside in point of view. I was like, well, being, you know, learning a place from the inside out, you know, evolving with it, co co evolving with it, you know, that's, that's all part of this kind of like embodied situatedness sure. kind of thing. And, and, and it also, you know, aligns with kind of my critique of economics as well. That's good. So, yeah. Cool. So let's, uh, let's, let's switch gears a little bit to, to kind of, um, uh, let's go to the digital sphere. So mm-hmm. you had a podcast with Jared James called Both yeah. And. Yeah. It's no longer going right now. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about how it started, how it went, and ultimately, you know, why y'all yeah. stopped? Because uh, that's originally how I came, yeah. came upon you. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then uh-huh. most, what did you learn about yourself about this? Hmm. Because I'm assuming that, you went through a couple things with, with the podcast, but then yeah. afterwards, I'm assuming you had some key learnings for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, I met Jared online on Twitter. Sure. Uh, we were both interested in like meditation stuff, pragmatic Dharma kind of scene on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just started talking over video and decided to start a podcast. I mean, it was, so the both then was very much kind of like big picture, like, like, like we both kind of came in of like, you know, we can both see multiple different perspectives, you know, we're both kind of influenced by kind of this metamodern sensibility of just like, you know, understanding kind of like, kind of how deep history and evolution of consciousness has led to this kind of fracturing of worldviews. And so mm. like, can we use this podcast to kind of like build bridges, you know, this idea of mimetic mediation, which was, you know, Peter Limber came up with, and yep. that was, you know, Peter, Peter was like our second guest or something. And so right. like, and that was very intentional because that, that's kind of how he wanted to, you know, that idea of mimetic mediation was really kind of the, the uh, you know, kind of the in- incentive for the, for the podcast. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, it was fascinating. You know, we, we, we tried to have a pretty diverse array of guests, um, you know, everyone from, you know, we had Michael Brooks on once. Yeah, uh, RIP. You know, <laughs> but then we had somebody, you know, we had like somebody like Zero HP Lovecraft, who is uh-huh. a whole ball of wax, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so just trying to bring in 
you know, a lot of the people kind of had a similar sensibility, like kind of, again, I would say a metamodern sensibility, but, but there was a lot of kind of, you know, we try to get a lot of kind of divergent perspectives. And there like, were intersections, we, for sure. Yeah, there yeah. were intersections. Um, yeah. yeah, and, you know, then we kind of got sucked into this kind of like sense-making space that people started calling it. And so it was kind of like this little scene for a right. while. And we, we'd, we'd go on our friends' podcast, you know, um, you know, uh, Peter, you know, Peter Lindbergh and, and uh, Daniel Thorson, you know, like, mm-hmm. like there was this whole kind of little complex of people had, who, who we, had, we had similar guests and we shared guests and stuff. Yeah, it was all the, that the was, family, kind of your own podcast yeah. collective. Almost. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a little podcast collective and it was, it was, it was really fun. And so I, I, but I think what I learned, you know, I think through the whole thing, I started consolidating what I think about, because I, you know, I started off like, okay, we just want to like, entertain many different perspectives, mm-hmm. but then I think my perspective after going through that process started to consolidate more. Uh, you know, I started getting more and more interested in like, okay, like localism or multi-scale localism, um, bioregionalism and, you know, re- the regeneration stuff. And, th- and that's just started calling me more and more. And so I, right. I stopped being so neutral, I guess, ah, like, a, like a neutral right, mimetic right. mediator. And I started, I started becoming you know, I, I guess I started having a, a more solidified point of view. Mm. Um, and at a certain point, we just stopped because because Jared was the engineer um, and, and he got too busy. Yeah, he's doing <laughs> some stuff. Yeah. yeah, and he wanted to do other things. So, so yeah, so that ended like a year ago. Yeah, um, but, but I mean, overall, like you said, like yeah. good experiences. You, yeah, you, I think you met a lot of people. Exactly, met a lot of people, made a lot of connections. And I think I think some of the conversations really kind of helped me evolve to, you know, where I'm at today. Perfect. Yeah. Well, going off of uh, not just, you know, podcasts and stuff, but, you know, we met on Twitter and it seems yeah. like so many things nowadays are happening there in, in every <laughs> yeah. single way. Yeah. Uh, you know, news connection, in-group fighting, out-group hatred, you know, uh-huh. typical metamodernism, you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh-huh. how has Twitter helped, like, I don't want to say hinder you by any chance, but like, mm-hmm. what are what are some of the pitfalls too of this social media kind of stuff? And then like, yeah. but 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 there are obviously some good things, you know. The, yeah. every, it, Twitter's a dumpster fire, but yeah. there are some good things coming out of that at, yeah. at some level. So, yeah. So you're asking about the good things? Or yeah, the, or well, the both. Because yeah, I want I want to see like, <laughs> well, I think I think honestly the app. One of the things about that, the stuff that I don't like about Twitter is so much of the in-group, out-group stuff because you yeah. just get into these little zones and then yeah. that's it. And then that's one of the things that we were trying to do, like mm. you were, is trying yeah. to kind of connect these little yeah. things that have similar thoughts. Yeah. You're on the same page, but then right. you guys aren't talking. And right. then so right. that's, I think, the beauty of social media or, or people, yeah. then you cannot go there. I can't go to Uruguay, but I can, you know or I can't go to, mm. to, to, to Bali or whatever, but I can yeah. kind of be there in some sense. But then at the same time, like you were saying, it's like, but I'm not really there, you mm. know? So it's yeah. like, so I'm not, yeah. you're, you're, mm. so I, I don't know if there's some tension with some mm. of the social media or digital sphere into real life. So I just didn't know if you, if you want to riff on that a little bit. Because yeah. Twitter is interesting. Right. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of directions I could go here. Um, <laughs> you know, so it is, you do lack that embodiment perspective, which is, which right. is problematic, right? Yeah. So you're, you're having kind of these parasocial relationships that, you know, you, like you're, you, you're having relationships with an avatar who, right. who, okay. who, who puts out, you know, little text messages, <laughs> right? And so there's something, there's something a little strange about that. Um, you know, I, I, I go back and forth on how optimistic or, or how, you know, like, like how, how much I like being involved with Twitter. I mean, I, I love all the connections I've made, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of people I met in person now, which mm-hmm. is, which is great. And, and just the, the inflow of ideas back and forth, you know, I, it's, you, you know, I wouldn't have got that no, you know, no. off, off of that platform. Um, at the same time, 
you know, I think I've become a little bit, a, a little bit less optimistic about this, the project from a medic mediation, just right. because, you know, I, I feel like I just kind of got burned out trying in my own mind to try and like connect perspectives and bring people together. And I just, I started just realizing that, that people are, you know, people really want to fight. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And people have good reason good to like, like, people just have very, you know, in some ways irresolvable differences. Um, but then now I've no. seen you kind of, even though, and this mm. is just me personally seeing your Twitter kind of stuff. Yeah. And I've, I mean, this has been two years or something we've been following each other. And then for the mm. last maybe six months or so, it's been way more like, a little bit more irony, a little oh, bit yeah. more like, you know, touching uh-huh. buttons just to touch buttons. But then uh-huh. it could be a question that you just leave out. And then, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes later you say, actually, I don't like that, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, so uh-huh. I, you've been playing with it a little bit. Yeah. I have yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, at a certain point you have no choice but to employ you know, all kinds of mixes of sincerity, right. <laughs> irony, um, you know, and, and really kind of, you're, you're kind of testing, you know, you put something out there that you don't know how it's going to land for different groups of people. And, and it's oh, just, sure. it's really fascinating to get people's reactions and, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, at a certain point you start realizing that, okay, like I'm, you know, quote, unquote influencer at a small scale mm. and like people are reaching out to me and like asking for advice and I'm just like okay like I start feeling kind of the way of the responsibility of like you know like feeling like the need to be re- more re- you know responsible on the platform right right of, and like, you're like I just want to yeah sometimes and, and so <laughs> I, when I do shit post I try and make it very kind of I guess obvious so yes. people don't take it seriously right um sometimes people do oh of course right? it's twitter yeah <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of you know con- contextual loss sure involved in the process um yeah um what else is there to say about twitter i mean there um, doesn't have to be anything more you know there, there's also the the issue of like uh, that I, that i've been you know a little concerned about for a long time is just like getting sucked in to a reality tunnel that mm. you know I, I feel like it's very easy to kind of like take a pill even and, and but it happens slowly over time and you're not even aware that you know you're you're becoming you know you're becoming extremely ideological in, in certain ways and so like you know being just being aware of how the platform and the algorithms are entraining you yep. are are leading you down one direction or another are yep. pairing you with certain people or another you know i you know sometimes i get worried it's like am i you know is the stuff i'm putting out there is it you know is it being could it be misused for you know ideologies that i think are, are pretty horrific or yeah. whatever right you don't so, describe to at all you know but then yeah, at the same or, time it gets pushed that way yeah right. uh or you know it's so, so it's you know it, it, and lately to be honest lately like the last two weeks i've just been like not really on twitter just because it's just after a certain point there's there especially when there's like these kind of hot button issues like right now with covid and vaccination i just get on and i just see like you know, these diametrically opposed positions and, you know, a lot of like scapegoating and us versus them kind well, of. A lot of bad faith. A lot There's of bad, no good faith. Yeah. And, and, and it, just, it just starts getting depressing after yeah. a while. And so I just yeah. need to take a break. Well, yeah. then let's, let's take a break from Twitter then. Let's, <laughs> let's move on uh, to, sure. to bigger and better things. Um, mm-hmm. let's, so I wrote a, an essay called Technopoly, and that was mm-hmm. like basically about uh, Neil Postman's idea that you know, when a new technology gets introduced, it is an mm-hmm. ecological change, like environmental scientists talk about. Mm-hmm. It does, it's not good or bad or neutral. It just mm-hmm. it changes literally everything. So yeah. in that regard, technology, I mean, we've grown up with technology now, mm-hmm. and it's all ever pacing. But now there's been some resurgence of people 
not exactly pushing back, but then other alternatives and stuff and mm. working with that. So I want to kind of talk about technological optimism, technological mm. pessimism, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of uh, distinction. Yeah. And then maybe even what you were talking about a second ago or alluded to technological realism, you know, mm. it's like, what exactly is that and stuff. And then some of yeah. the thinkers maybe that are along that Wendell Berry, we've talked a lot mm. about on Twitter, yeah. uh, maybe some other influences of who else, you know, is kind of used to revitalize the culture in that way, uh, technologically, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so the, I, I do see this as a kind of fundamental fault line in, in kind of ideologies that I okay. see on- online of like, you know, kind of a techno-optimistic point of view. You know, I, you know I, and I think it's just kind of implicit. Like, for example, when I see what are called the post rats online, like they don't mention it, but I just, it just seems implicitly that they're, they're kind of techno-optimist. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're just, like they kind of assume that the future is through technology, the singularity is going to happen and we're going to deal with that and we're going to get, you know, nuclear energy going and, and our energy problems will be solved and our climate yep. problems will be solved. Like that, that just seems to kind of be like a default assumption, even if it's not so explicitly stated. Um, you, know, ver, you know, as opposed to, for example, I would say the bioregionalists who are much more, you know, skeptical that, you know, we can keep relying on technological breakthroughs to solve the problems that prior technological breakthroughs have created for ourselves. Absolutely. Right? And it's like, we've been playing this high wire game for a long time. And, you know, from the bioregionalist point of view, like time is starting to run out. Like we're running out of planet to, to keep playing this game. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and that's, that's kind of the direction I think I've, I've started to lean towards of being, you know, more, more skeptical of this kind of rapid, you know, cause like you said, with, with technological change, you get you, like kind of changes everything, you know, cultural change. And, you know, like what Wendell Berry, you know, gives voice to is just, the, the immense amount of loss, cultural loss, that we've, that we've had through this kind of restructuring of the economy in the last 50 to 70 years, yeah. right? And not just cultural loss, but ecological devastation, right? And so, and that also came from kind of, you know, this kind of like modern, modernist, you know, kind of progressive, uh, you know, technocratic kind of optimism or faith. Right, and faith so, is a good word there. Yeah, faith is a real and, good word. And a lot there. of it, I think, and I, and I, and I think I can say this because I, I think I used to be more in this camp as well. Of like, you know, I, I just kind of assumed by default that we would, you know, invent our way out of a lot of the like technology. Technology would be the solutions. And so when I started reading like Joe Brewer and, and and just getting this kind of very starkly different perspective of like, no, like this is all collapsing, and we're preparing for what's coming, coming after that. Like that was, that was kind of like a splash of cold water. Right? Like it's and already a non-starter that this is happening. We're already planning after it. Yeah. People keep, keep, people keep discussing that, yeah. you know, and it's like, yeah. no, we need to move on from that. Right. And so, you know, and, and you know, at the end of the day now, you know, I, I'm not, I try, especially talking with students and like, I, I try and be, as op- I try and keep myself as open-minded as possible, mm-hmm. even though yes. my bias is clearly towards, um, you know, clearly towards more kind of, landed based kind of sensibility and living mm-hmm. um you know I, I i try not to close myself off from like technological event like like you know that we might need right sure. so for example i think i think nuclear energy here is a good example uh, or like fusion technology yep. you know like i think you know i try to you know like we don't know if for example fusion energy is going to come online in time to really make a difference right. before we have some kind of collapse and it's situation. been on on the the eve for yeah that's decades. For, for decades <laughs> and that's the thing but you know i you know when i when i catch myself saying you know or thinking like i don't want it to come online because you know that will just kind of accelerate 
kind of the consumerist culture that will cause other kind of I, I, I try and I try and stop myself and be like, okay, like, you know, perhaps this would be a good thing because it would, you know, perhaps it would save a lot of lives. But then, so I, so I try and just, I, I try and integrate kind of a techno optimist perspective in my point of view, but you know, so that you don't whenever like, I can, even, right, though, right, right. even, even though I, I tend to be skeptical. So you, yeah. you, you're making sure that at least for mm-hmm. you, you, I, I like that because mm-hmm. obviously you're not letting anything in your, uh, things are going to fall through the cl- cracks, but you're trying mm-hmm. his best to not let that happen, which is yeah. like that being open is huge, but then mm-hmm. having a, a set kind of way of thinking is also huge as well. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I don't know which one is better or not. You know? Right, <laughs> like, right. So, so for example, next week in my class, I'm, we're going over the future of energy, right? Okay. So I'm going to start with, you know, I've thought a lot about how I want to present this, right? Um, taking my own, you know, my own bias or sensibility in mind. And it's like, okay, I'm going to start with just presenting like, here are all the kind of alternative energy technologies out there. Here are the pros and cons, you know, you know solar panels, wind turbines, you know, nuclear energy, uh, geothermal, like all of this stuff and present that and say, hey, like, you know, we should probably get off of fossil fuels. And so these are some alternatives. But then, you know, I'm going to, you know, present material from, for example, like the Post Carbon Institute, um, sure. the, the author Richard Heinberg, who, who, is, who basically says like, yeah, we need, we need to get off fossil fuels. We need to re- go to renewable energy technologies. But, you know, it's not going to power our society in the same way. Um, mm. It's not gonna. It's not. We're not. We're probably not gonna be able to maintain our this high energy consumeristic society. And so, what does that mean? How do we pre-adapt to to a, you know probably a lower energy future according to Richard Heinberg, but also you know pro, but the energy will also be very different, right? Like sure. it'll be you know more flows instead of stocks, so to speak. You know, like, oh, like the structure of the economy that we're used to is built around fossil fuels. And so, yes. for example, like how do you make cement or steel? Um, with electricity, it's extremely difficult. Ah, I see. Right? Like generators or this or that or yeah, whatever. And so yeah, okay, it's, okay, it's, okay. It's, you know, and so like, yeah, sure, we can try and electrify everything, but you know, it's it's going to be. I think I think people don't like that, and we might we might invent our way out of these tough challenges. But I think people don't like they, they just kind of like have this vague notion of like, okay, we'll just switch to nuclear, solar, or something, and it'll be fine. It's, it's it's much more difficult than people realize. Like and once, once you actually get into, once you get in, and it'll imply a lot of change about about how we structure society, yeah. right? And it, 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 so so you know so that's where the realism comes in of like okay. even if we do and then you know and then you know I think folks like Ashley is even she's more skeptical than me about like you know renewable energy technologies. Like she's more of a wrath wrath of non you know oh, kind of oh, yes, yes, proponent yes, yes. of like you know like you know. <laughs> Like all of this kind of high tech stuff is just fragile, and I yep. and I and I am I sympathize with that point of view as well. But I don't think I'm as I don't think I'm as further along, you know, as far I'm not as wrath and non pilled as some people. As some people, but yeah. I do I do I do think that you know a, a lot of the way you know a lot of the new technology is incredibly wasteful, and so a lot of these kind mm-hmm. of traditional patterns and traditional say building techniques and uh, th- you know traditional agricultural techniques. We need to recover, right? We yes. need to we need to actually learn from the past again and, and bring it forward into the future. Um, yeah, and his and so, his specifically, I've mm-hmm. loved the architectural stuff because yeah. that I yeah. had not even known anything about that. Yeah. And it's like, what is brutalism? Yeah. What is this right, and right. stuff? And then all of a sudden, yeah. you look um, around, and we live in Los Angeles, obviously. Yeah. The architecture that Wrath of Non hates the most is right. all around us. You know? Right, right. Like we you are... probably wouldn't be in that interested in geodesic domes either. No, <laughs> no. Speaking of Buddy Fuller, yeah. Speaking of, um, so th- let's yeah. okay. So let's let's keep mm-hmm. on with it, this uh, kind of technological realism, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, 
like, because I, and, and maybe there's some through lines, so I'm just going to kind of riff mm. for a little bit. Because uh, some of that, the tension mm. going against that post-carbon is like, say, for instance, or at least for me, thinking mm. about it is like countries like India or people that are coming up. Yeah. It's like, it's very highfalutin for us to be like, mm. hey, we did all this stuff and we got to this like level right. of, of knowledge, whatever. And then mm. you people, you can't do this. You have to do this other stuff. And yeah. it's like, but then that's maybe what's going to be needed at the same mm. time. And so I'm trying to think about how that's going to work. But then maybe is bioregionalism really the ideal size of like politics and collective decision making? Because I think we've mm. gone on Twitter about this. Like yeah. the nation state is like ridiculous. And the nation state was just invented a couple of mm-hmm. decades ago and yeah. kind of things. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. what can we do in terms of collective decision-making? Is bioregionalism that? Because it, it's mm-hmm. not, you're connected to the whole planet, if you will, in some ways. Yeah. But then at the same time, you don't have to take on all the things from all the different yeah. places. I'm, yeah. There's, I mean, a lot of things to pick up there. I mean, one with like developing countries coming up that are, that are growing really quickly, like India. I mean, so, you know, the planet itself, like if all, if the whole world tried to adopt the same um, uh, energy consumption patterns as the West, sure. like we would just all die. Uh, it like it's just, yeah. it's just, that, that's and just, that's, that's the just book the overshoot, right? Overshoot. The was, overshoot, yep, you know, yep. uh, you know, and so, and so if they did, do, you know, in terms of development, that there is the potential for leapfrog technologies, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, you know, a common example is like in Africa, they, they skipped landlines, right? They went straight from straight to zero cells. phones to cell phones, right? right. And, and a lot of actually innovation in cell phone technology is happening in like Kenya in terms of like payments and information for farmers mm, and stuff like that's that. That's right. That's right. And so you mm-hmm. you know you can imagine you know up and coming countries like India you know uh, you know it's kind of skipping. I mean they're already using fossil fuels, but 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 by and large skipping the fossil fuel stage, uh, um, you know, and moving straight to kind of like whatever nuclear renew you know solar energy whatever right. right? And so. Um, so there's that. That's just kind of maybe an, an, an aside. Um, what was the other part of your question? Bi- bioregionalism. <laughs> yeah, bioregionalism. Um, Politics, collective yeah, decision making. Yeah, I mean, I, is... I think a more general framework for me is is the kind of cosmopolitan localism. Right. Right. And so, and so for me, it's like, okay, what are kind of like the most natural scales that are interesting to think about? Right. And so, like, I think the family scale and the village scale are two. And then you think, of, but then, you know, and so it's both cultural and ecological. And then you think, okay, what the watershed scale, cause you, you know, having different, you know, different ownership structures or, or, or different kind of governance structures in the same watershed is very problematic in terms very of problematic. ecological <laughs> coherence. Right. Yeah. And so that's, and then, and then up what's a, what's higher scale than, than that it's, it's bioregional and what's higher scale than that, I think it's global. So right. I think those are kind of like, to me, those are kind of like, the most important scales. Um, now, the, the cosmopolitan part comes in is I, I do think that, you know, some problems need to be handled on, on a planetary scale, right? And, you know, but it has to be done, it has to, we have to think about it differently than kind of globalism that we understand it today, yep. which, which is, you know, I would say is more of an extractive, you know, system or kind of, you know, uh, winner take all, you know, kind of system or, or race to the bottom. Dynamic. Or, I mean, very, um, very, for me, it was top down to bottom up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if we're telling people what to yeah. do, then like, I don't know if that's going to work. But then if we right. allow people the resources and the knowledge and whatever, yeah. then they can figure it out themselves. And all of a sudden we're all on the same page. Yeah. Know? So, you know, on my optimistic days, you know, <laughs> okay. I think, I think that, um, you know, with new technology, especially communications and, you know, new currency type digital currency, like we can, uh, we can kind of piece together, you know, some kind of intelligent, you know, global system that 
you know, on the one hand is kind of minimum viable scale, right? So it's, it's kind of from the bottom up, right? Like you, you, you know, if you can handle things locally, you handle things locally, yep. but you know, for like ecological flows that are at a bioregional scale, you handle that scale and planetary the same thing, but that, that requires, you know, kind of these nested levels of kind of coordination, mm, which, I like that. you know, and, and, and a lot of people are working on that, right? Like, like that. Gregory Laundra, planetary, Gen you know, yep. he's like, region he's, network. Yeah, exactly. Like, yep. like that kind of stuff I think is, is potentially really cool. You Disclaimers, know, we have Cosmos. So we, yeah. we, we also have Cosmos. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're in it. We're, we're yeah. pulling it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and even someone like Joe Brewer, like, he's, like he talks about you know, creating kind of like, you know, uh, you know he, he has a platform, right, where he's trying to create this kind of like planetary you know, solidarity framework, basically, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. bioregion regeneration. So he's, you know, even, even kind of like the ecological realist, realist people who are seeing collapse, like, like, the, like you know, a lot of them are pursuing this track as well. Of course, in my less optimistic days, I just think that collapse is going to happen, and we're heading back to the, we're heading back to, you know, um, you know, it's going to be really dark times, right? A like different pre-industrial, yeah, like I kind mean, of stuff. You know, yeah, in my, yeah. in, you know, my in my free time, I read like you know, about a year ago, I read like Dark Age America by John Michael Greer, okay. right? And it's a very dark picture of where we're headed, right? right? And so I read dystopian, like near future dystopian fiction, as a hobby, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and that's so Parable of the Sower is probably the biggest. Yeah, like, I haven't read that one. Jason, okay. Jason Snyder, <laughs> this, this is your, so yeah. these two books, uh, uh, mm. yeah, Parable of the Sower mm. and Parable of the Talents. Yeah. It's a very, like, cause I, usually people ask me like, okay, if there's one book to like do about what is mm. happening, whatever, people usually go 1984. That's yeah. an easy one. Authoritarianism yeah. is on the rise, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Right, right, right. Uh, mm. Or you go Brave New World. Yeah. Aldous Huxley, Soma, everyone's yeah. just like jazzing themselves. Right, right. Or mm. you go this like realist thing of like, okay, ecological degradation has happened. And then what mm. does that mean? Like to yeah. a normal person that's growing up in a, a place. So, mm -hmm. so just to give you a little, so they're in a tight knit community. They know how to mm -hmm. shoot like some of these kind of things. And then all of yeah. a sudden, but they're constantly, uh, effective for raiders, you know, cause people yeah. who aren't in that community want the stuff that's in right. that community. Yeah. And then that's what it seems like this Mad Max kind of yeah. thing. So, uh, that's yeah. a, That's on the recommendations you got to read next. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll take a look at that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of related literature, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I just read for fun basically that's amazing. <laughs> and everything in between. So, so that, I mean, so I kind of where I feel like positioning myself is like, well, you know, in either case, what you know, what is a useful activity for me to do now? Well, one is to learn how to grow food in a ecologically sustainable manner. You know, um, that that just seems like a pretty important thing to to focus on, no mm -hmm. matter what. You know, no matter which future we you know we're headed towards. Yeah, um, whatever techno future is there, like that that seems like a through line that's yeah. going to be there regardless. Yeah, I mean, in either case, I don't see industrial agriculture being long for this world. And so, like, what's you know, whether it's a highly connected kind of like. Um, you know, new kind of global planetary organism that arises or, or whether it's, you know, a much more kind of dark ages, mm. Mad, Mad Max or, you know, new neo-feudalist, yeah. you know, whatever, totally. you know, post, you know, post collapse of Roman Empire, uh, which, you know, some people argue was actually pretty great for a lot of people. So, you know, for, uh, <laughs> for maybe the Germans or the barbarians, for, or for yeah, some folks, where it's like, okay, the big brother is finally going off your back. You're kind of left alone. You still have to worry about raiders or whatever, but like, it's like a different set of challenges. It's different. Um, yeah. And so in, in either case, you know, it's, um, I, I think, you know, if I can think of like, okay, what, what, what's a useful activity, no matter, you know, given this uncertainty, you know, it's, it's learning how to connect to the land, yeah. learn, you know. That's interesting. Cause I, I, well, here, uh, let me let me challenge you on one thing. Have you mm -hmm. like have you seen the movie Arrival? 
Yeah. Okay. So like yeah. that's kind of the for me the. I don't be- remember what that. It was like the best yeah. techno optimist kind of thing because yeah. basically mm. that Ted Chiang, the author, he was trying to do what sci-fi writers mm. have not been doing in the last thirty years, and it's yeah. all just dystopic stuff. So mm. he wanted not utopic, but yeah. more of a better kind of thing, and so. I'm just trying to think of like, are those, is that also in your library? Like of those kind of things? Or is it really just like more the realist kind of things to kind of get me in the thing, uh, get me in the mindset of what I need to do? Um, lately it's been more of the realist stuff, yeah. um, to be honest. I mean, I, I think I've, I was, you know, I, I think it's kind of a, a, a reaction to, you know, five or 10 years ago, I, I would, you know, I was probably much more interested. Oh, in, I see. Okay. In, in, in this kind of the pendulum is swinging. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, I don't know if it'll swing back somewhere, um, but you know, I just try to, you know, I guess I, I just try to not fool myself. Yeah. And like you know, kind of, and I find that being a little, a little skeptical, you know, even if I err on the side of skepticism, is for me it's just it just seems a little, a little more solid grounding to be yeah. in right like I, I don't want to fool myself into thinking that you know basic basic things that most of us for granted like basic subsistence is always going to be the supply chains are always going to be delivering yep. food to the supermarkets yep. um, you know stuff that we need clothing like I just don't you know I don't want to take that stuff for granted you've described yourself as a, a baby homesteader so mm-hmm. this is all new kind of mm-hmm. in the last two years so talk yeah. to us about like how you, what, what is homesteading life? And then what are some good, bad, sad, you know, all, yeah. the, all the juicy stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so I, I, I'm coming from a place where basically I didn't, you know, I was always kind of a, a thoughts or computer guy. And mm-hmm. so I really don't know how to, didn't know how to do anything. And mm. I still don't know how to do most things. Right. <laughs> and so taking my basic kind of provisioning for granted that it'll always be there. And so I think part of, you know, trying to become more grounded is just trying to um, be closer to, you know, some of my kind of basic sustenance, right? And food Mm -hmm. is the Mm -hmm. obvious. So learning how to grow food. Um, You know, that said, you know, the baby home third part is is like, you know, I'm not anywhere near some kind of self-sufficiency ideal. And, you know, I don't know if self-sufficiency is the ideal in the first place, right? right? It's it's interdependence, it's community, um, uh, but you know, being able to, 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 to be, you know, directly involved with kind of basic practices of providing for yourself, I think to me is it's, 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 it's not, it's not only kind of like a good idea in terms of like becoming more resilient, for mm-hmm. example, but it's, but it's also, you know, I would say it's a spiritual process of like, mm. for me, of becoming, going from more of a disembodied type person to be, to, to actually learning how to use my hands you know, starting to learn how to like build things, um, you know, grow food. Uh, and so for me, it's just like, it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm in my second year, uh, you know, it'll probably be 10 or 20 years before I feel like, okay, like I, I actually know what I'm doing. Right, right, right. right. You um, actually feel that imposter syndrome is gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and so I, you know, I say homesteading, you know, that's something I do on Twitter, but, but for me, it's not like, you know, I, I hope people don't think that I'm, I'm trying to say that, like, you know, I could build my own cabin right now and oh, I grow okay. all of my own food, like, you know, or make all my own clothes, et cetera. Like, I, just, I don't, right? But, but, but engaging in that process of, you know, of, of learning, you know, learning how to do these kinds of things is, you know, important to me now. And, and then yeah. you said as well the self-sufficiency, because I think we, mm-hmm. that, that's an interesting point, is maybe, you know, a lot of people will think that, okay, every, every single homestead, you just need to be self-sufficient. But then you're kind of saying, well, yeah. in a neighborhood or a community kind of aspect, yeah. 
if you have chickens and another person has pigs and another right. person has whatever, then you can kind of have this local economy kind of moving around, right? Yeah. That, that's more the, yeah. the I mean, ideal. And ultimately, that's kind of my, you know, what I want to help in this bioregion, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, this, this region or bioregion is, um, you know, uh, contributing to what I would call a more sustainable regenerative economy, sure. right? And, uh, um, you know, for me, the more kind of informal it is, um, the better, right. really. You're kind of outside of kind of the, I don't know, the legible system, so <laughs> okay. speak, right? right? And um, yeah, and so that's, you know, so in how can I contribute? Well, you know, one way I contribute is to actually produce things mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I can, you know, you know, you know, use for myself, for my family, but also offer to other people. Right. Um, and then so yeah. what, are, what are some of the, let's, mm-hmm. let's go into maybe the, not, I guess, pros and cons and good, bad, ugly, but then what, mm-hmm. what's kind of the, the biggest thing you've learned about that? And then maybe one thing that you had thought that, that mm. you, you know, and then got changed, you know, or something like that. Um, I think, you know, one thing I've been thinking a lot about recently is, you know, how to maintain fertility on your land when you're, when you're growing like annual crops, which, which uh, might seem very specific, but it's, it's just been on my mind a lot lately. So for example, you know, I don't want to use fertilizers because I just see, you know, I see it problematic for many different reasons, but, but not using fertilizers means that I need to, when I grow food, I need to replenish, you know, the fertility. Well, how do you do that? Well, composting and stuff, but then that's, that brings a whole, up a whole new set of issues of like, can I produce enough compost? Where am I going to get the biomass from? Am I going to borrow fertility from other parts of the land? I see, I see. Um, you know, and then I start thinking about, well, what if I added animals to the system or, you know, or went more in kind of like a perennial direction? What's the mm. optimal balance there? Mm. Um, so, so I think just moving from the realm of kind of like idealism of like, oh, I read a permaculture book, you know, I'm ready to go. Or I read an organic gardening book, I'm ready to go. To actually, you know, um, you know, seeing those constraints for myself mm. and seeing, seeing the real challenges um, with this alternative approach. And, and it's not, you know, it's not a silver bullet solution. Like it's also d- difficult, right? And it has its own. Oh, yeah. and, so, and so just realizing that for myself and having to think, you know, try and develop, you know, a, a solution or a, or, or, or a set of responses that is, is very, you know, appropriate for where I live, right? right and, right, right. Um, you know, and, and it'll probably be different from you know somebody else, somebody who, else who is in a different place and also different sensibility and everything else. So I think that's been, you know, just just the, again going back to the embodiment, just the embodiment or the situatedness of of actually you know seeing okay, I I, I tried to grow tomatoes this year and they didn't do well. Well, probably didn't add enough fertility. To, you know, I I wasn't taking care of the soil enough. Mm. You know, I wasn't encouraging microbiology enough. Mm. Okay, so like that's that's a very real thing, and I'm I'm you know, really, really glad that I don't, you know, that I'm not going to starve this year if I, if I can't right. feed myself, right? <laughs> you don't have any tomatoes. Oh, no. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and, so, and so I also see this as kind of like a, a responsibility of like, you know, the more that I can learn when the stakes aren't very high, if and when the stakes do become higher, you know, I can, you know, it's both good for me, but it's also I can, I can be of help, of service to others. Sure. Like, okay, like all of a sudden more people realize, hey, like, many more of us need to grow, grow food. Well, you know, I can, I can help people avoid the, you know, the, the easiest mistakes. So right, 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 right. So, so, so if people are coming to you for making yeah. those easy mistakes, then who mm. are you going to for the harder mistakes? Because <laughs> it's like, are you yeah. going to like library resources? Is it people around the, because I know COVID, like you said. Yeah. But what, what, what is kind of that process of learning? I mean, I know you're getting your hands dirty. Yeah. But then how are you kind of like, 
getting better at it, you know? Yeah, well, it's all of, all of the above. I mean, I, I read a lot of books sure. um, on, you know, on kind of gardening, agriculture, permaculture, agroecology. Um, you know, Twitter is a great resource, going back to Twitter. You know, yep. I, there's a lot of people with a lot of knowledge and experience. And so you have a question, uh, or even if you post something and, like, people give you advice, you know, sometimes unbidden advice, but it's still, it's still helpful. Um, you know, uh, talking with, with friends, you know, I, I have a couple of colleagues who, you know. Oh, your entire do, department. I just, yeah, you know, uh, I just, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's at least like three, like, yeah. like two or three people in my department who have been growing kind of, have been along this track much longer than me. Right. Yeah. And so, okay. you know, throwing ideas off of them, getting their advice, um, you know, is, is really helpful as well. That's so all, awesome. all of the above. Yeah. All of the above. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so for homestay, what, what would you be, I guess, for the, for, I guess someone who's maybe a technocrat, someone who's maybe mm. more of the, you know, do, yeah. uh, doomers and stuff like that. What is, is, cause I've seen a lot of people start getting land, you know, yeah. and, 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 and everywhere the around thing. the world. So like, yeah. is, is that just what it is? Like get something and then tell, you know, get your hands dirty kind of thing. Or is it like kind of see what your situation is and where you are in life and then mm. kind of plan accordingly or obviously yeah. you got to do that anyway, but yeah, I mean, so, it, I mean, at least from what I see on Twitter, it seems like a lot of people are getting land. You know, yeah. perhaps I have a bias sample or whatever. Sure, <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, but, you know, so there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of issues that we're going to have to work out. And, and I think, you know, a, a pretty valid leftist critique of kind of the homesteading movement is that, oh, you're just, you're kind of just reinventing private property, mm. right? And kind of this, yep. you know, accumulation and we really need to be thinking more about like the commons and or about more mutualistic so like cooperatives you know community land trusts mm-hmm. and you know i think i think that's correct but at the same time you know for a lot of people you know i think you know if 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 i were to say like should you wait until we have the ideal political structures to start learning how to grow food no, no. like like <laughs> if you if you have access to some land you should just start growing some food. Like, like you need to build skill. It's not, it's not just kind of an ideal political structure. You need to have real skills. Right. Right. Like, like you, like it's, you know, uh, so, so I, I kind of understand, you know, so I, I think, I think it's good that people are getting land and, and starting to learn to grow food and stuff, but I don't think that's like, the final solution because that creates a lot of new problems, right? It creates gen- gentrification for other people. It, it creates right? gentrification. Oh, okay. You know, like if okay. you talk to yeah. somebody like Neil Boyle Dow, like he he sees it all as gentrification and libs coming in and you know driving the locals out, and that's that's a real dynamic. That's yeah. you know that's a you know it's, and it's problematic. Um, and so I, I you know I, I, yeah I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I, I, honestly, yeah. it's, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. from from the homesteading, mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll move on because that was homesteading. Now we're here. It's, it's yeah. you know it's interesting to see like I grew up in t- in Tennessee mm. and my grandparents like they had a house out and they had you know chickens pigs yeah. everything so nice. I, I grew up with that mm-hmm. um, but then now the other part of the conversation that we kind of really came here for was not just homesteading but then also doomer optimism mm-hmm. so doomer optimism uh, basically I'll let you kind of talk about it but Jason and then also our former uh, conversations guest Ashley Colby mm-hmm. kind of coined the term and kind of got it going. Mm. So maybe I guess you could just set the stage of like how that kind of came to be and then yeah. we'll, we'll kind of go, get into it. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, there was, I think there was some kind of mimetic tractor online of like, you know, folks like Ashley and I, you know, coming across each other and other people who are generally kind of more the, you could say the realist okay, side, yeah, ecological yeah. and, you know, also like peak oil type people and people who see kind of collapse in general starting to find each other, right? And um, yeah, Ashley, I think, coined the term doomer optimism. 
Um, but it was, it was a sensibility that I think uh, many of us had kind of been, been batting around in, you know, in our minds of like, you know, okay, we're, we're kind of pessimists in terms of where the current system is going. Mm. You know, it's sorry. all doom and gloom, basically. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but that doesn't get you up in the morning, nope. right? And, yep. you know, being nihilistic or depressed is just, it's not healthy. It's not healthy psychologically, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't actually solve any issues. You know, it, it doesn't give you a path forward either. Yeah, and so yeah. what yeah. does it mean to, you know, to, to, uh, to really grapple with the, the deep challenges that I think a lot of people take for granted or, or, or don't, don't recognize, but, but still, you know, do something productive and right. try and carve out an alternative, right? Try and carve out something that even if collapse, some kind of collapse does happen or it is happening and it would be multiple, dec multiple decades, you know, is there a transition strategy, right? Mm. Is there something that, that can we build the infrastructure for a new, you know, a new set of patterns that, that can kind of catch people, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's where the optimism comes in is like, you know, we only have, this is our one life to live. Um, let's try and be as productive and as useful as possible, right. even though we see that things are really hard. Yeah, because the counterfactual, it seems like if you were just doomers, you know, yeah. it's, it's like you, there's, it's, it just creates more apathy, I guess. You yeah. Know I mean? there's, no, yeah. there's no way around it. And then right. so, um, or, or unless you have some big person come in or big tech, but then even then, yeah. like it's still this doomer kind of uh, thing. But, yeah. So I, I really like the optimist kind of a, a aspect of that. Mm -hmm. um, some of the vocabulary stuff that is around, uh, mm -hmm. Ash and I have gone through it. So the Anthropocene, you know, we, mm -hmm. we're living in the Anthropocene, you know, these yeah. the ecological breakdowns, mass extinctions. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the realism of the yeah. doomer. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, we talked about operating manual for spaceship Earth and then cosmo -local, cosmopolitan localism. Mm -hmm. Well, those se seem like a, a decent at least through point into the optimism, at least more yeah. so than focusing only on the doom. So is there yeah. other vocabulary, other things that mm -hmm. kind of are, are in your mind when you think doom or optimism? Like, what are some words? Because for me, when I think yeah. about solar punk is like such yeah. a big thing for me because it's yeah. like, okay, that's like a very mm -hmm. high-tech layer on mm -hmm. a very embodied and bottom-up yeah. culture. So yeah. is that like what we strive for? Is there other things? Like I mean, I, I, think, I think solar punk, I like the aesthetic. Um, I think that's kind of like best case scenario. Right. right. Okay, so okay. in my more optimistic <laughs> days, I'm thinking, okay, maybe something like a solar punk future is, is in the cards, you know? Right. But, you know, in my more pessimistic days, I'm thinking more like, you know, uh, kind of village economies of the past, right? More right. rural, yep. um, you know, de or kind of a de-urbanized, you know, everybody's, you know, more people are involved with growing food, more people are involved with their kind of you know, provisioning their basic needs. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and perhaps it'll be something in between, right? right. Um, again, you know, I, I try, I think I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more hesitant than some other Doomer optimists to throw, throw, throw technology options out completely. But, you know, uh, you know, this idea of a high-tech layer on top, we haven't really learned, you know, we don't really have, you know, modern technologies that don't have some serious downsides sure. right in terms of you know extraction you know rare earth minerals we're gonna get those all of the energy that goes into exploitation you know, expo you know yeah. extracting the basic ore smelting you know creating these giant machines transportation so like you know having this global system that can still trade you know again if you want solar panels you know I, I, i'd like to get solar panels at some point but you know i'm i, I also recognize that 
you know, all the parts for that come from all over the world. It sure. requires global supply chains, right? And global right. supply chains are fragile. And so do you, you know, so it's kind of like, I try and keep both things in my mind, right? Of like, that would be nice if we could figure out how to minimize the negative externalities or externalizing the cost. But, you know, at the same time, I don't, I, I don't want to put all my, all my cards in that basket, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like, what would I do if all of a sudden we ran out of electricity, we ran out of energy, Right. And so going back to like reading, you know, near term dystopian fiction, like I, I recently read a, a, a series by uh, uh, Kunstler, uh, okay. John Howard Kunstler, World Made by Hand, which is exactly this kind of scenario where like all of a sudden basically electricity just just runs out uh, oh. and, and, and like nobody has, you know, is connected to a grid anymore, oh, wow. basically. And so like what would that look like? And that, so, that might even look like if we have a solar flare, you know what yeah, I mean? Like exactly. that's a real thing that might could happen. Exactly. You know, exactly. all of a sudden, all information technology goes off. Overnight. Yeah, yeah. And so, what? what would that look like? And I'm, I'm definitely not prepared for that scenario. Not no, even close. Neither. We're not. You know, exactly. Nobody, We're banking on really most nobody. Really nobody is good even point. even homesteading. You know, most people on homesteading Twitter, like nobody's really ready for that, right? Like we all have dependencies. Yes, know? yes. Like it's, That's a good there's point. maybe like two homesteaders in the world that have like zero dependencies, right? right, and, right. and we don't, we haven't heard about them. Is that just right? being honest about the dependencies then? Is, yeah, Is, that, is so. that really what it is about? Like, because then it's like, yeah. you get all these, you know, when you're not honest about it, then you have mm. these preconceived notions or these ideologies. And then it's like, well, none of this is really real. Like, yeah, I, I, I do think that there is a, that, that could be a tendency in homesteading Twitter to kind of like, and Ashley's talked about this of like just presenting kind of like the cottage core, like the nice aesthetics and stuff like that, but like kind of pushing under the rug that like, hey, we're still connected to an energy grid. You know, all of our tools, you know, everything is sourced, you know, from parts all over the world. Yep. Um, you know, where do you, you know, where do you get your shovel, right? Are you getting it from your from your local neighborhood? You know, did you cast this alone? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or did you get it from, you know, does, does, does my neighbor build, you know, wheelbarrows and shovels? And no, they don't. Right? Like, right, right, I, right. I go to Lowe's or, you know, the Hilarious. local version of Lowe's, right? Um, but they, you know, that source is from all over the world. So, so it's just, you know, I think, I think a little bit more realism in terms of like taking a little bit of the fantasy element out of the homesteading mm. aesthetic. At, you know, as, as Ashley says, like show the kind of the grit, grimy, you know, and the fact that we've just, you know, okay, we're growing like maybe 10% more of our own food, but that's, that's not going to save you if everything falls apart right. overnight. Right, 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 right. And so for me, I, you know, it's like if we're lucky and if we are headed towards kind of a collapse of our current systems, it would happen, you know, over decades where we have time to adapt, right? right. And we have time to make the transition to something different with the minimal damage possible. Mm. Um, you know, that's that would be... You know, to me, that that would be the ideal collapse scenario. I see. Is you know, multi multi decade. But the thing I worry about is the harder life gets for people, the more like, for example, scapegoats they're gonna you know irrelevant scapegoats of like, uh, it's really you know this group of people that's that's causing my suffering. And so right. you know, I can also see the rise of not all of us kind of banding together and and figuring out you know, a new system state, you know, versus just all out war. Right, that's, right, right. That's a real, that's a real worry. That's almost like what, what, yeah, the stat, that's almost what we're banking that almost will happen, but then we're hoping yeah. that it won't. Like, yeah. Because yeah, that's, that's really true. That's a right. good point. And like, so <laughs> the more, I think the more that each of us can, you know, try to, try to empathize with different groups of people and try and see many different perspectives and get to know our neighbors. Yep. The more all of us do yep. that, the, you know, the better off we'll be in that kind of, like, like the more trust that can be built now, um, with different groups, the better. But I get sometimes I get online on Twitter and I, I get very pessimistic. Right? Sure, it's sure. Just like I, I see a lot of this us first them dynamics 
um, you know, uh, many, many, uh, a lot of, a lot of which seems to be misdirected, right? Um, to the real, the, the, the deeper structural problems. Right. And then, so yeah. now, but you guys are exploring a little bit, you, Ashley, and also, and Tr- Trace Crow, right? That's, that's the other guy. So yeah. you guys have just started almost like mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, collective kind of podcast thing because yeah. it has now gotten to the point where people were like hounding you guys on Twitter and everything. Like, uh-huh. what are you guys doing with this? Cause this is such yeah. a great idea. Yeah. But now you guys are here. I mean, I was part of one of those, you know, cheerleaders. Yeah, you, so. I mean, you were one of our biggest cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey well, uh, but now yeah, it's happening. So, th- so can yeah. you talk us a little bit about that update and then what's kind of the sure. future? Because again, mm-hmm. you had just talked about kind of the pitfalls of Twitter mm-hmm. and podcasting yeah. and that stuff, but then how, how can you guys moving forward, like, you guys are honest about that, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So what are you guys doing to maybe mitigate some of those pitfalls? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think the Doomer Optimist podcast is is part of that. I mean, I mean, a lot of it, I think, is is we're just trying to have conversations with people who have some kind of knowledge to share, who can help people, you know, or, or, or are doing something that's really positive in the world, right? Like maybe they... You know, um, you know, maybe they have a really successful farm, you know, uh, permaculture farm, or, or maybe, I don't know, they're developing some kind of, some kind of platform or you know, digital currency that mm-hmm. can bring people together some way. And and we're just trying to have conversations with those, you know, with, with people who we, who we see are not naive, are, are not naive techno optimists, mm-hmm. but um, you know, are 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 trying to do something positive in the world, right? And just just high, just, just and and direct people. You know, give them a platform, basically. Yeah. So, for example, like uh, Ashley just just talked with this guy Josh, who who's just you know, relatively unknown guy, but but he's been homesteading for like ten years, and and he's developed, you know, he's he's really good at it, right? Like he has a lot of knowledge to share that, you know. So like giving him a voice, you know, and it's a big deal. Is, yeah, yeah. it's a big deal, yeah, right? Yeah. And no, so cheap. like, and, and then for the listener, you know, seeing all of these examples of mm. alternative you know, alternative ways of living, um, you know, perhaps they can get involved with various projects, right? So just trying to be, just trying to be a connecting force among all of these different, you know, often isolated, um, you know, endeavors or or, or very small scale endeavors and make it more broad scale. So increase the connectivity across you know, all of these different folks that are, that are trying to do something. And, and I would, one of my biggest pushbacks, I guess, I w- mm-hmm. or maybe one of my biggest things I would have said a critique when you guys started was like, hey, don't just do kind of the podcast, like kind mm-hmm. of branch out into other things. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that I saw mm-hmm. was you guys' mm-hmm. website, the resource website. I think Chris Dancy did yeah. something with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, incredible. Yeah. Because then yeah. that is like, it's a repository of information that anyone yeah. and everyone can go in and, and, and yeah. what, what do you want? You want something about permaculture first. You want homesteading mm-hmm. or, or great. So if you guys become, that's like, again, mm-hmm. pie in the sky stuff, but yeah, I was really floored when, when you guys kind of saw that. So I, are there any other kind of things like that in the mix or what, um, what else are you guys going to try to try to do? You know, I, I've, I've kind of like, I, I've, I've kind of like been less, less active so far in the start. I say, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. actually, fair. I think, you know, Ashley has, 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 you know, a hundred ideas a minute about these oh, kinds of oh, things, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, you know, uh, I, that's the idea. I mean, so the, the thing is we can't, I, I don't want to over-determine what it's going to become. Right. right? So right. I want no, it to evolve good. and get different people involved. And, and I'm, I'm, so far I'm happy. Like we've had like, you know, Anarcho Contrarian, uh, you know, that, that account, he's like, he's booked two guests, you know, yep. him and him and Joe Norman are going to be interviewing. Ben Falk, who's a you know really well-known permaculture guy, okay, okay. right? And so like, I think at this stage we're just trying to get as many people involved as possible, and and make it really like a collective, not yeah. just like you know, with rotating ho- hosts and, and different formats. You know, it could have 
regular, you know, interview style, but it could also be roundtable, fireside oh, I like chat. That. I like it could that. Be, it could even be yeah. debates, you know, uh, you know, slowly, you know, people stepping up like Chris Dancy to like actually start aggregating, you know, some of the, the resources that people are throwing around. Yeah. And so that that's, you know, so I, I'm hoping, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to, like, I feel like whatever I say of, like, what we want to do, it, it won't happen. Right, right. right? Yeah, but, yes. but something that, <laughs> no, but something, but unexpected things will happen. And so it's... Emergence will happen. It's an, it's an, it's an evolving organism. And, right. you know, I, 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 I don't feel like I'm central to it. Like, I'm just, I feel like I'm a, a bit player. And, you know, I can try and help as much as I can. But, you know, it's really, it's going to be as successful as, as a whole group of people, you know, want it to be successful. Right. And want, and want to use it as a platform to, to highlight, you know, to, to bring something new to, to awareness, right? To well, we're, awareness. we're in that yeah. train and uh, yeah. we'll obviously, you know, I'm putting it out there that we'll be part of this collective yeah. as well. And yeah. then I just started thinking, obviously, like with us going to Germany, that, that might yeah. be an interesting kind of thing is like, what are they doing over there? You right, know, right, right, stuff, right, right, right. And then you guys can take the differences of that and then you know, exactly. Learn, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can, you can be our German connection. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and you Exactly. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out with, the, with the joining in. But um, let's go to the last question. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, this has been great. We've, we've talked a lot about uh, of everything. And so we, we talked a lot about localism, but then maybe mm-hmm. let's kind of reinvent or go back to the cosmopolitan, you know? Yeah. And so uh, we, I, t- I asked all my guests, you know, the last mm-hmm. question, if they were experiencing the overview effect, which is basically mm-hmm. you're an astronaut looking down at Earth, you know, part of that inspiration mission with SpaceX or at the ISS yeah. or even on the moon. You're looking and seeing the Earth for what it really is. It's the mm-hmm. reality because yeah. when you're here, you don't see how it is, and then yeah. uh, even satellites don't do it. So if you were up there, do you have anything to say? Do you have any advice, practical advice for you know mm. just people? Is there a lowest common denominator thing that yeah. you would just tell everyone, or anything, or it could just be read a book? You know, do you have any kind of things to say? Um, I think two things. Uh, one is it's probably a good idea to start start thinking about you know, your basic needs and, 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 and not, not, not by default, assuming that those will always be met through, Mm. through the larger supply chain systems. Right. So start thinking about where does your food come from? Where does your water come from? Where does your energy come from? Mm -hmm. You know, um, everything else, you know, clothing fibers, like just, you know, if not, not to produce for yourself, but just to kind of become aware of, you know, what, what are the, you know, like, what would it look like to become more resilient or at least become aware of like, you know, where things come from. Right. right. Just, so just start, just, just start bringing that more to awareness. And I think just kind of, you know, that will necessarily, you know, incline you towards, for example, you know, again, the lowest hanging fruit is starting to grow things, right. right. Learning how to grow food. Um, uh, but then, you know, so the other side of that, the cosmopolitan part, you know, I, I think that it's easy and, and it might be increasingly easy to, to, to have scapegoats for what's going on in the world, what, what, what's going wrong with your life or what's going on in the world. And, you know, I, I would just try to remind people that, you know, we're all part of the same fabric of reality. Um, and, yeah. you know, um, we all have different life experiences. We come from different places and we have different ideas about what's right and wrong. Um, but, you know, don't be so quick to cast blame on some other group for what's causing your problems, even if it's like the big, bad, whatever out there. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and try to, to recognize that we're all kind of in the same boat together, right. you know, as, you know, as, as, 
as a humankind, but also as a as a biosphere. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, we're we're all part of the you know we're all part of the universe looking at itself. You know? Right. Yes. <laughs> for the for the overview effect. Exactly. And that's that's literally what it is. So yeah. we're all part of that, and then also you should basically becoming mm. aware of what exactly is your reality, what exactly is your environment, and then yeah. all the things that you need to live in that environment. Like, yeah. Like, exactly. So 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 try not you know. Don't don't try not to think of us versus them dynamics. Even you know, I I I, I do that myself. Yep. Um, you know, but but try and recognize that that at the end of the day we're all in this together. Um, and you know, and when you realize that, then we're gonna, as a collective, we're gonna have to figure out how to survive. You know, perhaps under much more difficult circumstances. And so, what what would that look like? Beautiful. Yeah. So more good faith. More good faith all yeah. around. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up uh, things. So thanks for coming on Conversations, Jason. Yeah, it's, a, it's an honor. Thank yeah, you. thanks. Yeah. Uh, and until next time, guys, uh, mm-hmm. at Astra. Eclectic Spacewalk presents Conversations a podcast about the uniqueness of the human condition and how, through conversation, we can continue to upgrade humanity's value systems.